when is the last time that you really wanted something? I mean, like, really wanted it. It might have been that car. might have been that education. It might have been that you were going to get a new job. It might have been, you know, some, some type of uh, iPhone or iPad or something that you just kind of salivated to get it. Well, we long for many times all the wrong things because those things will never, never fulfill us. You ever heard a new car smell? Remember when the new car smell goes away and all of a sudden you don't smell it anymore? That's what happens with things every single time. The, the new car smell wears off of whatever it is. But with Jesus, it is always worth getting what he has for us because we gain everything that our hearts long for. My name is Trey Rhodes, and I'm the Connections Pastor here at Northwood Baptist Church. And it's good to have you along as we continue our series in Luke chapter 9, the Gospel of Luke. This has been an incredible series. I hope you've been enjoying it as, half as much as I have because it has been a blessing to just uh, hear God do His work and be a part of what God is doing and to see lives change and hearts turned around. It's just been great. So I hope that you have enjoyed it, and I hope that you'll continue to get out there and and get the small group's material to you and make it a part of your small group or your family or whatever it is, whether you're listening as one of our Life Connection Group leaders or assistant leaders or even one of our uh, care group leaders, we appreciate you coming and listening. And it might be some people just listening from around the world, and you are certainly welcome to come and participate and be a part. And if you would like the materials that go with this, please let me know. Just contact me at trey at northwoodbaptist.com. That's T-R-E-Y at northwoodbaptist, no S, dot com. And we will get that, add you to a list, and you'll get that material every week. And then it also goes with our pastor's message. It was preached last week. So go to YouTube, put in Northwood Baptist Church, North Charleston, and uh, when you see the, the latest sermon on there, that is the one that this is going to be working with. So it'll be about following Jesus. So anyway, hope that, that you are participating and being a part of what we're doing. We appreciate it so much. I do want to say a big shout out and thank you for getting involved in helping us get the role done. It's so exciting to be able to now know within moments as to how we're doing and, and what, what classes might need a little encouragement or what classes are, are just doing fantastic. And we're saying, hey, look at what God's doing over here and be able to find out when people are coming, when they're not, who's here, who's not, and, and have that instantaneously. Sometimes it takes us as long as a month. It has been in the past. And now because of our iPads and you uh, keeping role on iPads, it is an instantaneous event. And so, for instance, I think this past week we had something along the lines of 248 adults, which is a big deal. Uh, I, let me see here what the number was. 200, 400, I mean, I think I said that backwards. 428 total that's the adults, 200, 250, uh, that's total, and then 253 adults, 175 children. So um, we're just excited about what God is doing, and uh, we also have to add to that Pastor Randy's small group as well, which doesn't get added till next week, but uh, he does a fantastic job of following up with them. So uh, we are in Luke chapter 9. We're going to be looking at verses 18 to 27, so you're probably going to get your Bible out and, and read through it. We are going to work more on people opening their Bibles and taking the Word of God in their hands. I know that we have it on the actual uh, questionnaire where we have the Scripture. 
but don't let your people get away with just not opening their Bible. I think it's so important because it's not just those scriptures. Uh, there are other things that are going on. They can see what happened before, what happened after. They can ask questions. They can uh, really be involved in the discussion in a very productive way. So um, make sure that you're encouraging them to open the Bibles. Of course, no one, you can't force anyone. But uh, over the next few weeks, just uh, make it a point to say, hey, listen, uh, I hope that God uses the Word of God in your life. And this is not just about the material that's on the page. This is about opening the Word of God and making it a part of your life. So I encourage you to do that as you listen to uh, this uh, audio study guide. Uh, maybe you can, even if you're shaving or something as you listen, uh, the only place I would recommend if you're listening in the car, don't do this, but just open the Bible and have it out there. I think it'd be a great example and great testimony. If you're not able to do that, I do recommend that you do listen, and that's okay. All right? Uh, so uh, those, two, those are the two biggies this week. Just a word, note that I am going to be gone on not, let's see, it won't be this week because I'll be here. And it really won't be the next week. It, I will be here until I will be gone the next week. So we will be in Boston. We'll be actually flying back from Boston. We have a big street party that we're going to be involved in on Sunday. So we're not, we don't feel that it is appropriate for us to leave uh, while the street party is going on. So we'll be flying in, getting, about, getting in about 1130 on Sunday night. So I won't be here all that Sunday. And I'm sure, I think that's the last week in June, June 24th or 5th or something like that. So anyway, uh, pray for us as we do go to Boston. we got a good mission team going up there, and uh, maybe some of you can go next year. It'll be a great opportunity for you to be able to share the good news of Christ and just see what God is doing there in Boston. Uh, so uh, be in prayer for us as we go. All right? All right, guys, well, um, open your Bibles in Luke chapter 9. We're going to be talking very quickly about the message, and we'll jump right into the sermon, uh, to, excuse me, into the questions. Um, of course, Pastor Tommy talked about, as we, we mentioned in the intro, the struggle is worth it no matter what it takes for us to, you know, to struggle to pray or struggle to forgive, struggle to read the Bible, to clearly hear God's voice, but the struggle's worth it because we know that in faith we gain everything that our hearts long for. Now, Luke chapter 9 is really a turning point in Luke's gospel. It's the end of ministry in Galilee, and Jesus sets his face toward Jerusalem and begins his journey to the cross. So Luke wants us to know that Jesus is the king, yes, but he is the king who dies. Luke 9.20, Jesus has one of the most important questions that anyone will ever answer. Who do you say that I am? And how you answer that question will determine the way that you live your life and you, if you will live a life that matters for eternity. Luke 9 is that call to discipleship. In this passage, there are three ways that we need to follow Jesus. And here they are. The first way is this, follow Jesus with conviction. Now, the events leading up to this moment are miraculous. Uh, what, what's going on, we've seen over and over again. And, and so people are asking this question that's just lingering in their, in their minds and hearts. Who is this man from Nazareth? Uh, so in verse 18, we have Jesus praying. And Luke shows Jesus praying significant times and praying that disciples might know who he is. You know, that's... That's, that's interesting that he would have to do that, but he does. A uh, significant question is that, who do the crowd say that I am? Jesus asks this question while they're in Caesarea Philippi. And I have been in Caesarea Philippi. That's this Greco-Roman city named for Herod the Great's son, Philip. And uh, originally it was for Pan, Pan. We know him as Pan. It's another word in the Greek. But it was this half human, half goat. And it was also a place of pagan worship, literally known as the gates of hell or the gates of Hades. And it's a giant open 
hole that a river used to flow through. The river shifted after an earthquake, and it's no longer that way. But what happened was children were thrown alive into the entrance of the cave as child sacrifice, as an act of worship to these pagan gods. So it's a place where the disciples, uh, as good Jews, would have never traveled there. Never. Yet Jesus takes them to the gate of hell and asks them, gate of Hades, to ask them the most important question, who am I? And they answer, John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the prophets, general consensus of the people is Jesus was significant, but there was this uncertainty surrounding his true identity. Uh, Malachi said Elijah would return before the Messiah and things like that. Moses foretold of a great prophet that would come in Deuteronomy 18, 15, and you might want to go back and look at that. Uh, but Jesus makes the question personal. Then he says, who do you say I am? And that for not just the disciples, but also for every one of us is the most important question. The people in your, in your life connection group, this is the most important question that they will ever answer. So at the end of the day, what matters for your life is not what the world confesses about Jesus. What matters is what you confess about Jesus. So he says, you are the Messiah or Christ. But Messiah means anointed one. The word Christos in the Greek, set aside for significant ministry. In Old Testament, prophets and priests and kings were anointed, but Jesus is not anointed. He is the anointed one, the prophet, the prophet, the priest and the king. So Matthew 16, 17, Peter knows this because the father revealed it to him. Jesus changes Peter's name at that point from Simon to Peter. Otherwise, we'd be calling him Simon to this day. And he says, rock, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gate of hate, gates of Hades will not overpower it. The church built on that confession of faith, and that is that Jesus is the Messiah. Peter's confession that Jesus is the, is the Messiah, and it is our confession that has lasted throughout our lifetime and throughout the centuries as believers in Jesus Christ. So we will gather this morning, and or, or the, on, you might not be listening to this on Sunday, but we will gather on Sunday morning because of our conviction. Why? That Jesus is the Messiah who has come to save us and give us life. So we need to be following Jesus with conviction. So the world's telling you to believe all kind of stuff. Believe these false gods. That's the message of our culture. Believe whatever you want to believe. You do you and all those kind of things. Uh, the world's telling you what to believe. But you, so you must daily embrace truth. It's not by accident that Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we hold fast to that conviction that Jesus is who he says he is. We don't waver in that. And then you must avoid mixing truth with error. You know, that's probably the biggest problem. You know, I believe in Jesus, but LGBTQ can't uh, be sinful because, after all, love is love. Uh, folks, that's not true. Maybe it's all right if I divorce my spouse. After all, God wants me to be happy. That's not true. Uh, so be careful about the mixing truth with error. I'm not saying that divorce is not uh, needed at some time. What I am saying is that for to somehow think that just being happy is is God's answer is not the question that we ask. All right, so how do I com com uh, combat that? How do I go to war with that? Uh, go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, and Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Uh, we need to be truth-saturated, and the opposite of saturation is, of course, dehydration. So don't be dehydrated. All right, so that's the subtle lies of the world. Don't fall, but, all right, fall for it. Now, the the second way, we talk, first of all, about follow Jesus with conviction. We also follow Jesus because of his sacrifice. He gave his very own life for us. The first unexpected statement 
he has is, okay, they said, Peter says, you're the Christ or you're the Messiah. He said, don't tell anyone. Jesus doesn't want a confusion about who he is. At this point, he's not died. He's not risen again. People wouldn't really understand. So after the resurrection, Jesus would then, he would not hold them back at all from telling the truth of what had happened. Second unexplained statement, it's necessary to suffer, be rejected, be killed, and raised on the third day. God's Messiah would travel to Jerusalem to endure terrible suffering, and it would be necessary for him to do. Jesus knew his mission, and it was the crucifixion and resurrection. It was the plan from the beginning, and Jesus could not separate those two things. He couldn't look at the crucifixion without the resurrection. And the message to the disciples is clear. I'm not the kind of Messiah you want. I'm the kind of Messiah that you need. You need. And that's exactly right. So Jesus wanted a Messiah, uh, the Jews, excuse me, wanted a Messiah who would deliver them from physical enemies. Um, Jesus came to set us free from our greatest enemy, and that is sin and death. Now the question is, what kind of Messiah, what kind of Christ, what kind of anointed one do you want? Be honest. You know, ask your Life Connection group that. You know, what kind do you want? I think most of us would say we want Jesus, but do we want Jesus for who he is? Just a reminder, Jesus isn't a life coach or a spiritual guide or a personal assistant or an, even an interesting subject to study. He is Lord and Savior. All right, the third way, and that is follow Jesus, ready to sacrifice. So not only did Jesus sacrifice, we need to be willing to follow Jesus to sacrifice as well. Verse 23 says, if anyone will follow me, or if anyone will come after me, and Jesus is going to Jerusalem to die. And he says, if you're going to follow me, know what it means. It means death, death to self. So the word that Jesus gives is not, does not describe any kind of optional Christianity, but normal Christianity. You know, I often say that when I first got saved, I didn't know that it was optional that you share a gospel with your friends. When I first got saved, I didn't know that it was optional that you read the Bible. I, when I first got saved, I didn't, I didn't know that it was optional that you prayed. I didn't know that it was optional that you lived a holy life. I thought all that was normal for a Christian. When you became a follower of Christ, you wanted to do what Jesus said to do. So many Christians think those things are optional, things they haven't got around to, things they might do when they get older and things like that. Never happened. I was 14 when I asked Christ into my life. Encourage your Life Connection group. Encourage them to make sure that they are doing what God intended for every single Christian. All right. So that means that a disciple follows the example of Jesus. And I know there are going to be some people in your life connection who say, I'm not a disciple. Well, God wants every follower of Christ to be a disciple. He said, as you are going, make disciples. It is not baptizing them in the name of the Father. This is how we identify and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. All right. So that is how we identify disciples. They've been baptized. They've been taught the truth. That's what we're doing with our, with our people. And that's why we're making disciples and why we want to make disciples. It is the command of Christ. So we must remove ourselves from the position of master over our own lives. You know, that's why we have to deny ourselves in verse 23. And that's actually the same exact verb used when Peter denied Jesus. It means to turn your back on. And that's what Peter did to Jesus. Uh, I, you know, self-denial, does that just mean you don't need that extra piece of cake or I don't... Get that luxury car when a normal car would do. Guys, this isn't Lent. I'm not going to give up social media for, for 40 days because of Lent. This is, I'm going to give up my life every day. Denying self. I'm no longer the master of my life. We must daily surrender. So it's, we remove ourselves from being master and we daily surrender. 
Faith in Jesus is not a one-time event. It's every day, every day, every day. Take up your cross daily and follow me. It's not a jewelry, but it's an instrument of death. As in the ancient Roman world, the most humiliating, shameful death possible reserved for traitors. We are traitors to this world system. And we are called to be in obedience and commitment and absolute uh, giving ourselves to Jesus Christ. So Jesus gives an invitation to death and public humiliation when he says, take up your cross daily. No self-centeredness and a, a willingness to live a life in stark contrast to the rest of the world, even if it invites ridicule. So what does it look like to daily surrender? Let's talk about that. And so when we talk about daily, we mean daily obedience, daily cross-bearing. I am a dead man, according to Galatians 2.20. And by the way, if uh, you and your, and your Life Connection group have never memorized Galatians 2.20, it's one of those half-two verses. And it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. I'm not going to quote the whole thing, but it's a long verse, but it's one of those things that is life-changing. Okay, what does it look like to daily surrender? Assess every life situation in light of Scripture. Scripture does not speak to every issue, but it informs every issue. You know, there's lots of things that happen. Every, you know, Scripture doesn't talk about Facebook. But fish, uh, uh, Scripture does talk about how we should respond to people, whether they're on Facebook or in person or on the telephone or uh, however it is, you know. So every situation in light of Scripture. Assess every thought you have about life situation you face. You know, it's about the mind of Christ. It's you run it through Christ every single time. Assess every response you have to every life situation. We, we, we respond biblically in obedience to his word. Assess every motive in every life situation. Why do you respond to the way you do in life situation? And is it to bring glory to God or yourself? It is to gain for the kingdom or for yourself. Really, it's a heart question, isn't it? We must be convinced that when we gain ourselves on a personal level, we lose. And to really gain what matters, we must lose ourselves. That's what you call a paradox. But Jesus is very clear. Verses 24 to 27, live for your gain and lose everything. No one in their deathbed says, I wish I could have gained more of this world. But many say, I wish I'd walked more closely with Jesus. And folks, for every single one of us, that day is coming. Verse 27, is it speaking of the transfiguration, the resurrection, ascension, coming of the Spirit at Pentecost? The point is this, whatever that means, you're going to see me as king. You're going to see that I am the one worth following. The way to real life is to give up your life. Are you fighting to gain or are you choosing to find joy in losing that daily surrender? For anybody in your life connected that doesn't know Jesus as Savior, this is the time for them to follow him closely. Follower of Jesus, what would it like look like to lose your life today for the sake of Jesus. All right, guys, that's kind of an overview of the sermon. You're welcome to go back and read it yourself. I did include it in your materials, and if you want to pick out some other points, you're welcome to do that, but uh, make that like I did. I think it's about 15 minutes. Don't do it more than about 15 minutes, okay? All right, let's jump into Luke chapter 9, verses 18 to 27, and are you following Jesus? And remember, this is the new material, the way we're going to uh, we're, we're doing the headings a little different so we can kind of work with the OIA system, the observe, interpret, and apply system that we use in discipleship. And we want it to be a part of our, li family, our life connection groups as well. For some reason today I'm saying family life center instead of life connection groups. I don't know why. Anyway, <laughs> so start the conversation, and uh, there might be several of these. Uh, but the, uh, number one is a good one when you're a kid. Who was someone you admired that you wanted to be like? Why did you admire that person? You know, it might have been, you know, a Hank Aaron or 
if you're a little younger, it might have been a Barry Bonds or it might have been a, um, you know, a, a William Perry in football. It might have been, uh, maybe it was uh, somebody who was a great intellectual. Maybe you had a place in your heart for, for Albert Einstein or, or uh, Mark Twain, maybe a great author. Anyway, just have them talk about those things, and, and you can do some little hints like that to kind of get them moving. And then, then ask them, number two, I think this is a have-to follow-up, what do you admire about Jesus? Because this is going to be able to transition us into observation. Uh, we're going to use five or ten minutes to start, then we're going to observe for about 30 to 35 minutes. And so this is really the, the meat and potatoes of what we do, is the observation. So uh, what uh, we're, uh, Pastor Tommy's asking us to do is to read aloud Luke 9, 18 to 20. So I would have somebody read that, and then I have two people read the Matthew 16, 13 to 20, kind of split it in half. And so you can have three people in your, in your life connection group do that. Now these two passages record the same event. And Matthew gives us much more detail than Luke. That's why it's important that we read Matthew. So here's the question. Why do you think Luke gives us less detail than Matthew? What is Luke trying to help us understand in Luke chapter 9, verses 18 to 20? Well, if you go back to, under, go back to what we talked about, or what Pastor Tommy talked about in the message, uh, we have both of these passages there laid out for us. Um, he is trying to help them understand the importance of what Jesus did for us and how Jesus was able to do this and why Jesus brought them where he brought them. You know, on this rock, I will build my church. He goes on to build, talk about the church and the building of the church in Matthew chapter 16. Uh, what we're, what with Jesus being Messiah and Luke speaking to other Gentiles, it was a much more general thing that this is the man that the Bible that you may have heard about is telling us about. Uh, for the for Matthew's audience, he was telling them more that this is the, where the kingdom has, has come. The kingdom has come now through Jesus and, uh, you know, turn away from the false gods. And, and the idea is that we have to do that. And so as, as both of those were done in Caesarea Philippi, and he says, that you are the Christ, and in Matthew he says the Son of the Living God. So uh, you might want to do uh, go back and get them to answer that question and get them to think it through. I think it'll help you. Um, all right, uh, what do you think Luke gives us less detail than Matthew? And then what is Luke trying to help us understand? Well, I think we just went through that. All right, so Luke asked Peter, "Who do the crowds say that I am?" Now in Luke nine nineteen, that question is very important. Um, because Jesus did want to know what they were saying, right? And so they kind of, they're not, because they're not quite sure. So he wants to kind of get an idea of what they're thinking. Um, we're not to the most important question yet. Um, so he says, who do the crowd say? I'm first. And that question is important because it's kind of identify maybe where they're going with this and maybe help him to under, help them to understand what is most important. It's not what the crowds think, right? It's this next question. Who do you say I am? Probably one of the most important questions we talked about in Luke chapter 9, verse 20. That question is so important because at the end of the day, what matters for your life is not what the world confesses about Jesus. What matters about what you confess about Jesus. That's why. Peter's response to Jesus' question is, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are God's Messiah. Um, why is Peter's confession of faith so significant? Well, it's significant for the simple reason that he is saying that is the confession 
that we're going to build the entire kingdom of God on. He is the one who is the prophet and the priest and the king. All right, and that's what Messiah means. Going to question number three, Messiah means prophet, priest, and king. So that's a bold declaration. Number one, nobody has ever said that. There have been a lot of anointed people, but he is the anointed one. And it is important that he did that, that we understand this bold declaration, and we understand that Peter could only have said that if the Father had revealed it to him. All right, go back and read Luke 9, 21 to 22. Why does Jesus tell the disciples of his death and resurrection in these verses? Why does he, why does he even bring that up? Why does he then want to tell no one about that? Um, well, there's two, two reasons. Let's start with the last part first. Why did he not want them to tell anybody about it? Because he didn't want them confused. Uh, he had not died and resurrected from the dead yet. And so he was saying, don't go out there and tell them that. Once I do die and resurrect from the dead, yeah, I want you to go out there and let it go. But right now, we don't need the confusion that it's going to cause and, and the, the unnecessary arguments and discussions that it's going to cause until it really happens because the resurrection will change everything. Um, so then he talks about his death and resurrection. And they need to understand what, Jesus, what it's going to cost Jesus, the sacrifice that he is going to make, right? That's what the whole second, uh, Jesus, uh, the whole second way that we know about following Jesus is following Jesus because of his sacrifice that, you know, uh, necessary that he suffered, be rejected, killed, and raised the third day. And he would endure this terrible suffering. And by the way, this is not what you would expect the Son of Man to be in Daniel chapter 7. This is not what you would expect for him. Jesus would be rejected not by Israel's enemies, but by the religious leaders of Israel himself. He came to his own, John 1 tells us, but his own did not receive him. All right, jump to Luke 9, 23 to 27. What do these verses teach us about the nature of discipleship? Is Jesus asking too much from us? Why or why not? Well, Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, it is going to have to be sacrificial following. It is going to have to... It is going to have to be daily surrender. It's going to have to, we are no longer our own masters. Jesus is our master. Jesus, now ask them, do you think that's asking too much? Why or why not? And they're going to have to answer that question. I think that's a good one to follow up that once they talk about what that means. Now, what does it mean to deny yourself? To deny yourself is to place uh, that I am no longer the master of my life. Jesus is my master. It's not a matter of a Lent thing. Uh, denying self is I'm not going to be... Uh, I'm not, it means I'm not going to be the master of my life. I'm going to be the, the one who is perfect and good over everything, rule over my life. What does it mean to take up your cross daily? That is a daily surrender. It's, remember, it's not a jewelry. It's an instrument of death, and we die to self every single day. Number seven, uh, not Luke 9, 26 to 27, who will Jesus be ashamed of and why? Uh, okay, so... Jesus will be ashamed of people that do not confess him. And when they don't confess him, he is not going to confess them to the Father in heaven either, right? So that is what happens. And by the way, uh, if you want to go in the sermon about the daily surrender thing and what that is, uh, that is on that is a point, follow Jesus, uh, be ready to sacrifice. And it says, what does it look like to daily surrender? I think he highlights it in some orange-yellow color. Assess every life situation in life scripture. Assess every thought, assess every response, and assess your motives. Uh, that's in the sermon, and you 
uh, you can go and get that and use that. All right. Um, all right. Uh, who will Jesus be ashamed of? He'll be ashamed of those who don't confess him. Uh, why does, what, what does Jesus mean when he says, there are some standing here that will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God? Remember we talked about that. Some people think it's you know, several different things when, that ha when the kingdom of God shows up. And uh, I think it's because of the, I personally think it's because of the transfiguration that happens. Um, but Jesus is, is not, um, uh, 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 that's not really the point of what he's trying to say is, is when did it happen or when, when do we see that happen? It's the idea that when, when we become participants in the kingdom of God after the resurrection of Jesus, and it's that idea of surrendering ourselves every single day and, and saying, okay, um, you're going to see that I am the one that is worth following. Why is this statement significant? Uh, if you gain this life, yet reject Jesus' call to discipleship, you lose everything, and he does not want you to do that. The way of real life is to give up your life. All right, interpretation. What should we want to do with this is we want to make it a, a main idea. So kind of work together, think it through for a few minutes. What is the main concept of this passage of scripture? And kind of maybe you can use your whiteboard and summarize it in a sentence, okay? And then theological reflection, again, five to ten minutes. And he asks these questions. How does this passage help us understand the person of Jesus? And again, these are going to be questions you all have to work through. It's nothing I can really give you the answer to because they're going to help you look at this passage after we observed and get it to where it needs to be. All right, the application, 10 to 15 minutes. Why is an individual confession of faith important? Uh, why mu what must we confess about Jesus if we're going to follow him? Uh, these are all things that are in the, the sermon that we've already been through. Um, and you might want to go back and review that to get that. Um, let's see here. What is an individual confession of faith in Jesus? Because it doesn't matter what the world thinks. Remember Pastor Tommy talking about that? It matters what you think. And we must confess that he is the Christ. He is the master of our life. He is the prophet and priest and king of us in our lives. Number two, how do these verses help you understand discipleship? Well, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we've got to be, first of all, disciples. We've, we must daily surrender, and that is our sacrifice. He becomes the master of our lives. We daily surrender. We take up our cross daily. That's what it does. And then we, that means that as disciples of Christ, we assess everything in light of situa every situation in light of Scripture. We assess every thought about life situation you face. You have the mind of Christ. We assess every response you have to every life situation. Are you responding to life situations biblically? Is obedience in obedience to his word? You assess every motive to every life situation. How do you respond the way you do in life situations? Um, all right. What does it mean to follow Jesus? That means to give him the ownership of your life and your heart. Uh, and then based on this passage, how do you need to grow as a disciple? Once again, there's going to be different areas of their life that they need to grow in. They might need to grow in their walk with the Lord. They might need to grow in, in taking every thought captive to Christ. They might need to grow in their attitudes and motives and how they respond to life situations. So whatever it is, just be specific. And remember, we want to make it measurable and doable. Well, that's all we have for you at, on the audio study guide. I hope it's been a help to you. And, uh, just get out there and make sure that you're inviting people to your Life Connection group, that you're caring for the people that God has given you in your Life Connection group, and also that you're teaching the Word of God without apology 
as you speak the truth in love. And uh, let me pray for you, and we will see you Sunday morning. Dear Father, thank you so much for the blessing of all good things. And Father, especially that we have this incredible privilege of worshiping you, of following you, of serving you. And Lord, that when we follow you, it changes our lives down to the basics of who we are. That we put you as the master of our life. That we make sure that when, when we put you as the master of our lives, that we daily surrender. We take up that cross, not that jewelry as we talked about but the most humiliating and shameful death possible as we die to ourselves every single day. Whatever it takes for us to follow you, Jesus, we want to do that. So, Lord, I pray that we would be good, uh, good teachers of those things and, Lord, that we would live it out in our lives. If there's anybody in our class that doesn't know you as Savior and Lord of their life, may today be the day they surrender to Jesus. And we pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you. See you soon.